Hello and welcome to the Entertainment Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Andy G. Today we're here with someone who, although I haven't seen her in person in a very long time, is a family friend from my home country, Bolivia. After recently hearing about all the things that she's been doing to use her artistic talents as a filmmaker and actress to give back to the world through activism and philanthropy, I now hold her even more dear to my heart and can genuinely say that she is hands down one of my biggest idols. She's an international superstar, from modeling to acting to producing and directing both feature films as well as independent films and documentaries that can build bridges to bring humanity closer. Prior to relocating and finally making her filmmaking dreams come true in Hollywood, she had also done a variety of commercial work for a number of household name brands like Pepsi, Versace, and Toyota. Her story and impact has also been featured in CNN, Fox, NBC, CBS, and E! Entertainment, always using her platforms as a celebrity and influencer to inspire her friends and followers through the love of her philanthropic initiatives. She is the co-founder of Flor de Loto Pictures, a media company focused on bringing about social consciousness and global awareness to the public. She also laid the groundwork for the Oporto Foundation, whose primary mission is to assist homeless children by supplying food, healthcare, education, and rehabilitation. She serves as a celebrity spokesperson for QLB, which builds green homes for the indigenous residents in Arid Altiplano, Bolivia. And last but not least, for her charitable efforts via the Carla Ortiz Foundation, concentrated on the 2011 flooding disaster in La Paz, Bolivia, which affected over a million people, she was awarded with the Gold Medal of Honor from its Congress, becoming only the fourth recipient in the history of Bolivia. This Wonder Woman's name is the one and only Carla Ortiz. Hi, Carla. Welcome and thank you for joining me today. I am so excited. I am, I am super happy to finally uh, meet you in this, uh, through this uh, beautiful technology that we have nowadays and be able to chat a little bit about everything that has been going on lately. Can't wait. So, Carla, before we dive into the details of your professional career, can you tell me a little more about your background growing up and how that may have shaped you into the artist and the activist that you are today? Well, you know, I think the fact that I come from uh, four different immigrants as grandparents and having my parents as the first generation born in Bolivia has given us this like very strong uh, to my brothers and myself, um, that entity of being very Bolivian because it's so many places, but at the same time, you don't belong anywhere. And then you are in Bolivia and you feel like 100% and uh, 500 <laughs> Bolivian. And yeah. <laughs> that makes you, you know, like falling in love closer and deeper with your culture, with your um with the idiosyncrasy of the yeah. place uh, and also the cosmovision because you know how it is, you know, Bolivia, I think um, we are so connected with the indigenous world and at the same time with the mystic world of the Pachamama, the Koa, yeah. you know, the angels, the archangels and the, the nomos and, you know, Chalar. It's like <laughs> exactly, you know, Chalar and, uh, you know, you have to say this before you do that and there's this 
mysticism that is so yeah. open and at the same time the Christianity that is like you know a must to happen all the time that in a way it shapes yourself into this um, almost iconic personality that uh, brings up the very best of you in the mystic part, the spiritual part and at the same time you know okay you're Bolivia it's not mm -hmm. like you are the most famous country in Latin America. You have to always kind of like defend yeah. your country. It's little, but it's not that little. And, uh, you know, it, it makes you uh, pursue excellence. And so I think, you know, that my grandmother was activism and helping people and having that connection, you know, because you are also from the same, uh, from the same place that I am. Yeah. You get out of your house and then you have somebody that is selling, you know, candies and doesn't even have a houseware to mm -hmm. leave, but you grow up also with this person. So you are in contact with the reality of the ones that have more and the ones that have less. So you're not disconnected from reality. So exactly. you always want to make the life of that friend of yours or that person that you kept on seeing through as you're growing up, you know, the guy that is looking at the cars and taking care mm -hmm. of the cars. You now he has a child and the child does the same. And is that, that desire to make it a little bit better from, for all the people that you know. And then, you know, you get out of the country and it just becomes part of you to make, I guess, the world a better place. Yeah. Sometimes that sounds a little bit too much, but I think no, we all have the capability of making this world better. I agree completely with that. Everything that you said, I can completely relate to. It's so true. You know, Bolivians, we have something special and especially the people that leave Bolivia can compare and then you have to go out and tell people what Bolivia is like and, you know, what's false, what's true and the reality of somebody else's situation, you know, because a lot of people don't see those things. They don't know what a third world country is. And I, I can completely relate to everything you said. And I think it's excellent and very, very important. Now, Carla, how did you get into acting? When did that begin? Well, I mean, to tell you the truth, this whole thing started when I was like four years old. According to my family, I always knew what I wanted. I actually have some <laughs> a couple like funny stories, even with your dad, you know, when he used to come and visit my, my father and because the people that don't know, you know, Bolivia is very little. We are from a city that is called Cochabamba. It's the heart of <laughs> Bolivia. So Bolivia is the heart of South America. So we belong to the heart of yeah. the heart of uh, South America and everybody knows each other. And we have to make sure we're not cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> and you know that it's incredible, but I, my father used to have invites and guests and I would just stand up and start speaking in Russian and in Chinese and in uh, German. And I don't, you can, you could not discuss with me that I did not know the language, right? Because I just, I was, my life was always this little scenery of putting acts together. And I used to tell my dad, you know, please buy me this thing. And he'll say, that's very expensive. And I'll say, well, don't worry when I'm, I'll be famous, I'll pay you back. <laughs> and it just started like from there. But I really think, you know, that when I go back, my relationship with uh, the spiritual world was very, very deep. And I remember I used to say, I want uh, to act because it's the thing that comes easier for me and I love it. And that way, when I become really famous, I can help more people. And I think that's why I'm living my dream now. I think that's what's going on. That is so inspiring. And Carla, what are some of the key factors that got you to where you are today as an actress in television and feature films? 
what was that breakthrough? I think the first one it is the determination that you have when you decide that you really want to do something. I think that nothing can be done. Decide first what is that you want to do and you go for it. Because, you know, I always make the example, it's if you're going out of your house and you're going to buy bread and then you find your friend and then you find your cousin and then you find, it doesn't matter how long uh, you lose Mm -hmm. or you waste, but as long as you know where you're going, because you're going to reach your objective and you are going to accomplish your dream. So I think that's the, the first factor. And is the determination and knowing that you have uh, to sacrifice many things before your dream and that the work that you're going to have to put into it, it is insane, but it's going to be worth it because it's something that you love. And in the professional level, I think that the decision of um, uh, going to Mexico to start doing soap operas that at one point I just wanted to make films and I wanted to do theater. It was, um, it was something that was not in my plans. It was something that, no, no, I don't want to do soap operas. That's not for me. But that mm-hmm. moment when I decided, okay, I'm going to go and do soap operas and entering into the world of the stars and the star system of Mexico or the celebrity status, you understand so many things and what starts happening even in the Latin world of the entertainment. And I think that was my most important breakthrough uh, because for Latin American, for my country, that was really important. And it was in a way, almost a way of... Um, Uh, getting some sort of validation without knowing that, Mm -hmm. okay, this girl has its way. And then I could relax into just pursuing my greater dream, which was getting into Hollywood and living in Los Angeles and making films. And I think when I, I knew also when to drop TV and drop the Latin world to go and pursue my greater dream, which was a film. Filmmaking. It was in my filmmaking and and just even acting in film right because it's it's very um very tricky because all of a sudden you are the celebrity you are doing amazing and you're mm. famous and you get paid well and you drop all that to go and start all over uh, to get it and do your crossover wow. and uh, you need to know when to do that and I did it and then you know once I was also acting I wanted to get into production and directing and you start taking your time because it's like you you already experienced what it is uh, yeah. you know all that world but now you just really want to do only the things that you feel in your heart you want to do and what got you interested uh, in producing and directing in addition to the acting? What led you to want to do, f- you know, to make films, direct films? You know what happened, Andre? I think that uh, it came to a point where for me it was amazing. You know, I was put into the um, uh, Atlas of the Sexiest Woman Alive. And it was very interesting, like the sex symbol in, in, the, in film and some TV series that I was doing. But at one point, I was only being typecast um, in mm. the same characters and playing the 22-year-old. And I was already, you know, 28. And I'm going like <sighs> playing even 19, 20-year-olds and yeah. a little bit less mature characters. Not that they are bad. It just, I wanted to also mature in my acting. And then I realized I was being typecast. And I realized that if I want to start um, acting into characters that are more serious, 
for me, that doesn't mean that it's serious for others, no? Right. And into stories that can add up a little bit more to my soul, then I need to start uh, producing. And then I also realized that my position where I was, it got me too many contacts and a little bit of power to be able to start raising money and all that. And I decided to also start making films that matter to Bolivia and yeah. start touching part of the historical part. And, and that was it. I started like writing and decided to co-produce and then produce. That's incredible. That's amazing. I had no idea that it, that it happened, you know, because I was, a, you know, I didn't live in Bolivia, so I didn't know. So I thought you initially just, you know, were already a director, a producer, but I didn't know that, you know, first you were doing the soap operas in Mexico and then, and then the writing. That's incredible. <laughs> so which one do you like more? Do you like filmmaking or acting? Which one do you enjoy more today? Oh my God, it's so different. I just, but you know, filmmaking is super tough. It's very difficult. It has all these different uh, faces and it's very demanding and acting. It's so much more luxur luxurious, you know, it's easier. It's a little bit more uh, uh, glamorous because even though you can make uh, characters that are not that glamorous, you know, you have the world of filmmaking that is getting ready for you to be in front of the camera. And sometimes we've at what it takes even right now you know for us to be in front of the camera it was three weeks of preparation you know you have to prepare your lights the technology your computer my computer you know the questions and it takes so much to produce and so much to direct and for the people that we end up being in front of the camera is so little compared to the gigantic work that is done behind it mm -hmm. that uh, I enjoy very much the dangers of uh, like directing producing um, but at the same time uh, it's also beautiful to just have your makeup done yeah. and the best acting possible exactly. and get into the character and and take people into stories into a little trip through your character <laughs> That's incredible. That sounds so much fun. Now, Carla, can you please tell us about your journey as an activist and finding your purpose in that? You know, something really beautiful because I never stopped uh, since I was little. Uh, I think my grand, both of my grandmothers uh, were um, soul activists. They just uh, were born with it. And I grew up watching them and watching also my mother always trying to make it better for the other people. And then I realized also that our voice, uh, when you become um, a celebrity, some of us are more than others. Some others are so much bigger than us, but we all have this big influence in, into, you know, into the point of view of our followers. And this is a huge responsibility. And uh, it, the influence that you have into shaping also their world and inspire them. And I realized that, you know, not only a little percentage uh, of my work I could donate, but I also was related to all these people. And it was so easy to raise money to help out mm. that when you start changing um, your vision into helping and giving, you receive so much more that is almost like um, like a drug. <laughs> you know, you become addicted to it. Right. It's so 
much love that you receive and gratitude from the people. And sometimes you say, I only made one phone call to send sugar and, and clothes and rice to these families. And you save their lives and, and their month. And all of a sudden you go like, my God, a little action and a little time of my day or this month actually changed the life of many families. Wow. And that's what did it. I realized that I could use my power for something very positive. So I just did it. That is so rewarding, you know, especially so many people that need that extra hand, especially, you know, in Bolivia. Ah. Oh. I'm about to cry. <laughs> Just I'm going to show you something. Thank you for this. You know, I'm right now in Trinidad and I uh, end up getting, so this is called bitter and it's a little. Oh, I've had it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Here in Trinidad and they gave it to me and it's just so amazing and fresh. It's good for you. you know that we are at 42 degrees right now, Celsius It's super hot. And, um, that's the reason why I'm here because uh, they had this huge hurricane and uh, I was also bringing shoes for the medicals um, because it was such a disaster. It was uh, the department that was hit the most. The pe- people start like dying back and forth in, um, oh, no. in in Trinidad, in the northern side of, of Bolivia. So it's uh, it's amazing, you know, that um, we can actually do these sort of things uh, through technology nowadays. I love that you yes. are Bolivian. And I love that you can relate to some, and you know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, exactly. Like it's touching my heart right now. Just thinking when I lived in Bolivia and I would see, you know, just little kids outside who didn't even have shoes on and it was so cold. And then I'm just, I, I couldn't even focus anymore. You know, I was out to dinner, out with friends. And then I would just stop and I'm like, no, th- this has to change. Like what is happening right here? And, and to see how, you know, there's that there's people like you that are helping and that are actually making a difference. It's just amazing. And every time, you know, that I go to Bolivia, I try to help as much as I can. So I can completely relate with that. I'll look for whatever I can to give away. I'll go outside in my car. If I see a little kid, I'm like, Oh, you want some toys? My daughter doesn't want it anymore. And I'm handing out toys out in the street. Um, so yeah, that's so beautiful because sometimes we are so confused and we think that in order to make something um, that can affect people, we have to do something super huge, super big, a lot of money, a lot of work. And sometimes it only takes one little action. Like what you're saying, you go back to your car, you look for an extra coin or for that drink that you did not finish or you didn't drink. You know that somebody else is going to need it. And it's all... Exactly. It's about sharing. And I think the key, it's about love. You know, sometimes love is a word that is so much used because it's the base of everything. And sometimes people think, oh, it's a cliche, it's a cliche. But really the effect of compassion, right? Understanding the other and putting yourself in its place uh, and then do it with love. Do practice that compassion with love and empathy. It changes everything. Yeah, completely. Because agree sometimes with that. you don't need to give anything but a smile and a little touch 
And as you know, you just look at them and you say, how are you? And they tell you, oh my God, life is horrible. And he says, yes, I understand. And you give them a hug and that's it. And you already changed their day. You already yeah. changed their week because you are being acknowledging yes. the existence of this person. Yeah. And sometimes that's all we need to do. Yeah, that little moment could be something that a child or an elderly person is going to remember for the rest of their lives. Like that one woman or that man or, you know, that person who one day stopped and talked to me and made me feel good. Yeah, you're making an impact for sure, Carla. That's, that's I love what that. it is. Now, Carla, how did you successfully fuse the activism into your art? How, how did you oh. merge those two? Oh my God, that's like the best question I've heard in, in a long time <laughs> because <laughs> I think that is the most beautiful thing that happens in your life when you actually can get inspired because I'm a huge believer of the divine energy. I believe that the divine energy is always guiding us through to be happy and to, and to find that perfect um, activity that is going to take to your almost enlightenment where you're going to be so happy to do all the sacrifice and the work and everything. And obviously filmmaking is my thing. And, um, I, I had this dream in 2015, December, 2015. And I saw this explosion in a dream that later happened in the news. And it was sort of like a deja vu of something that never happened. And, um, that took me to Syria. And uh, I, I hadn't yet directed anything. And uh, once I got to this country and once I start seeing the real meaning of war, um, understanding what it means to really not have a house, what it means to have terrorism, uh, killing your family or your children, raping, Destroying, burning um, others because they are of a different religion. I I understood that I could actually start making films that would have an impact, that could actually shed a little bit of light mm -hmm. into the dark knowledge that we have of wars, of um, humanity, of destruction, and how we can become a little bit more compassionate of the others because see I, I have this slogan you know that says that they many say that love is the solution to everything but how can we love what we don't know and we don't know Syrians we don't know Libyans we don't know um, North Koreans we don't know etc and we can go on and on we don't know them so if you don't know them you cannot love them if you don't love them you cannot help them or feel compassion and I realized that filmmaking and, and making movies and documentaries about these can bring us, I can bring the people closer to a reality that I was able to see on the ground and watch the people, feel the people cry with them and lose things also with them. And that's how I shaped that. And I decided to start making films that would always bring a reality that is unknown to many and can inspire both ways. And right. at the same time, um, I'm still making my films. I'm still in my career, but I am doing a little bit uh, more um, to make it better for human dignity, put it like that. I love that. It's very important for people to see things from 
another's perspective. And when you're making films like that, you're showing other people somebody else's reality. So that's incredible. I love that. And Carla, is this part of the Carla Ortiz Foundation? Or can you tell us a little more about that? The Carla yeah, Ortiz sure. Foundation. Um, it's not part of the Carla Ortiz Foundation, but Carla Ortiz Foundation started um, actually in 2011 when the landslides in Bolivia happened in, in La Paz and then the floods in Beni. Because, you know, unfortunately, we don't have too many um, international um organizations that every time we have a disaster, people would help. So I decided to donate a, a percentage of all the money that I make. It can make these other um, events and always ask a lot of my powerful friends to donate concerts or donate, um, mm. you know, whatever they had in order to raise money and help. And I just in most of it to, to Bolivia. And it started with that, with the landslide, because I remember it was uh, close to 25,000 families that lost mm. their houses, they lost everything. And the international um, uh, community wasn't into helping us, you know, and seeing what we are doing. We have horrible PR. We always have yeah. the worst PR in Bolivia. Yeah. We, we never know when something terrible happens, you know, that, and, and uh, it, that's how it started. So, I've been helping um, my country in so many ways and in different areas. We are very focused, especially on natural disasters or disasters caused by men. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's why we also did cover and supported a little bit um, in, in Syria and in Yemen, especially. You know, um, also we did some work with um, the orphans in Tibet. And then uh, we, we started this with my brothers, uh, with my brother and my sister. And uh, we invented a glass of milk because in Bolivia until now, in jail, um, a single father goes to jail, their child goes with them. If they don't <gasps> have somebody, if they don't have the other the spouse oh, no. um, to take them. Yes, imagine this. And oh, that still God. happens in our country. So children go to jail with their parents and they live with them and then they're used as mules they are prosecuted and it's terrible so you are giving them education to have to be in school and at the same time they're they're learning the worst of delinquency inside this uh, the jail yeah. and growing up with uh, staying like they did something when they have nothing to do with the crime that their parents committed and it's the same in, in the same case with women or men so we were giving them, you know, uh, psychological guidance, spiritual guidance, as well as a glass of milk uh, to, for nutrients and, and different vitamins. And it just kept on growing. And you realize that our emergency is so big. And then now, you know, during the time of the pandemic here in Bolivia, uh, we decided to take care of uh, in all the areas, you know, medicine, food. Uh, and it just never ends because it's not just about giving. I was telling you before, we give classes and orientation of, um, of uh, sometimes even metaphysics, you know, so people learn how to create a little bit of magic, even in the way they talk without victimizing themselves always and talking negative and connecting themselves to the inner power. I believe very much in all that. So that's all of Carla Ortiz Foundation. Wow. That, by the way, my director is also uh, of the foundation is this Bolivian girl who is super powerful. 
you know, and beautiful, just like you. And oh, she lives in you. New Orleans. And I wouldn't be able to do everything that I do for Bolivia if it wouldn't be, you know, for women like you guys that wow. keep on fighting and are still making it in the United States. <laughs> wow. I had no idea that it went that deep into the, you know, the mentorship, the counseling, the food. That is incredible. That is incredible. I am definitely interested in volunteering. If you ever need me, and if I'm in Bolivia, I want to help because that sounds, you know, just mind blowing. I didn't even know that these things happen. That's the jail and the kids. Oh my gosh. Like there's just always something new. Like you're saying it never ends. Like it's just something else that you find out that's going on. And you're just like, how is this even a reality right now? Why don't, why is this still going on right now? So I but am, you know, it's the thing is that a lot of people get discouraged because it's so much, but a lot of people get encouraged. And the key yeah. is that you create, let's say you make something, you have five volunteers and you can really inspire one. If you inspire one, he will inspire another five or another 10. And then one will be super inspiring, continue. So it's like a little chain. Right. And sometimes people say, oh, what are you doing something? It's so big. It's never going to end. And it's not true. No. Because the more consciousness you create about these matters, the, the better it gets just even for people. Because when you live in a society where there is a little bit more of um, a more conscious. Can you say like that? Yeah, English? more awareness. Uh, more awareness mm -hmm. and, and um, more sensibility about just your neighbor's uh, needs. I'm not, not even going to say suffering. It develops, it develops your um, intellectual, um, it's called um, emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. Yeah, the EQ. Yes. So it actually develops your emotional intelligence. So instead of suffering and crying, you actually use your emotion to put together a plan in an intelligent way and with wisdom to make it better. So it exactly. calls for action. So that's what we need to do. Just keep on inspiring each other. And now that we yeah. have social media and everything, remember last year when our Amazon was burning, yeah. it was so crazy. And everybody that was, was talking about Brazil and Brazil and was it's not like, burning. It was into their regular numbers. Right. Yeah. I remember that. I remember because here, you know, there were, yeah, I remember they were talking about Brazil and then I was like, uh, is it actually in Bolivia too? <laughs> you know, exactly. like, and then you say, wait, they just offering the G13, like some millions of dollars to Brazil. And we are the ones that actually need, you know, the money that is offering to us. And imagine right now after one year in my foundation, along with other foundations work so hard we worked so hard last year and we even sent close to three million dollars in in uh, medicine with all with the help of so many uh, Bolivians in the United States and everything and this year because it's been one year now we're going through the same thing again you know it, it's just and then you go like oh my god it's not happening again you know the numbers maybe are not the same but that's why it's so important that we educate ourselves yes when a disaster happens. Yes. And if we don't have, you cannot just like uh, turn down the fire, I'm sorry, put off the fire. 
you also have to educate yourself and the people that are working so we don't make the same mistake. We cannot keep on just putting, uh, you know, putting it out. We need to actually take other actions. Yes, for sure. I mean, yeah, you can't give up. Eventually things will change, but if nothing's done, then nothing will change. Now, yep. I, can you please tell me, Carla, about your trip to uh, Syria? How, how did it feel? You know, how, how was that experience, you know, over there and what motivated you to embark on that journey? You know, like I was telling you before, it was that dream. Um, yeah, the dream. I just had that dream and it, everything started and I thought, you know, I'm going to go for three weeks and I'm just going to try to understand what it is. I had no way. I, I didn't have much information about Syria besides the fact, okay, it's the cradle of civilization. Uh, but then when I was over there, I could not imagine the power that women had in the Middle East, you know, because a lot of people think of Syria just as the rest of, of the Middle East. And it's a complete, first is the Levant. It's not, it's not uh, the Middle East. And then I could not believe how much um, a power um, females have and how oh. much they are involved into politics. And, you know, most of the directors of um, schools and universities are women and they have this um, personality match in your face on every matter. So I started thinking, you know, maybe that's what's going to be my documentary about. But then I start traveling um, because I needed to know a little bit more. I was in the government area and also in rebel held area. And I, I could see the difference of, of um, point of views than what was happening with the conflict during the war. I ended up being for uh, close to 25 days in Aleppo during the Battle of Aleppo. And I was one of the uh, three only civilians, um, foreigners that was in as a witness in the, during the time of the war. And then, you know, I was traveling and when I was close to Palmira and all these other places, I was able to see how like Christians in, in Syria were actually persecuted by these terrorists and how they would put children in cages just because they were Christian and burn them down. And, you know, just all these things that you think are just like part of them and are happening into a place. And then the resilience of the Syrian people of just continuing and not giving up, not determined to say, I'm not going to, talk bad or, or feel hate, but I'm just going to rebuild. So that was a uh, um, life experience. I was a um, terrorist attack where many children uh, killed and I had to walk on top of their little bodies. And that's oh, what no. made uh, my, my life uh, completely different. And I decided I don't care how long it's going to take for me to denounce this unjust war. And um, I stayed basically for four years and I decided to use uh, filmmaking into that. So Syria has become my, my sole country and um, my also determination to learn from their, from their resilience and, um, and their determination of not giving up because there are two different things. It sounds like the same, but it's, it's not. You know, when a lot of people say, okay, the war is pretty much over in Syria, but um, how did it happen? Oh, it's Russia that helped. It's uh, this or the other. It's just the people. 
is the people that regardless of their different point of views in politics and everything, they said, you know what, we're only destroying our country. We're going to start making treaties and we're going to start, uh, you know, trying to find peace. And, and you only do this when you get to a point where you really have to evolve. And I think these are all the things that uh, this, uh, this country has given me. And I put it into this film that is finally finished. And I promise as soon as it's, it is out, I'm going to send it to you so you can Please. watch it. You are going to understand. That's, yes. That's kind of my little story gonna, about Syria and, oh my, and how that's I got so into powerful. it and why. <gasps> that is just so powerful. Mind blown. I am holding my tears right now. I'm not going to lie. I am like... Oh my gosh. Like, I can't even imagine how that must've been for you, but you are so brave for doing that. It's just mm. unreal. It's unreal. Your soul oh. is so beautiful. It's, you know, you still see why in the Middle East, you know, Israel, Palestine, Pakistan, um, India, uh, Libya, Iraq, all these places that are amazing is full of amazing human beings and then the politics of the powerful nations and the just the necessity of uh, selling weapons and continue sometimes the selfish desires of uh, of the few end up really hurting uh, the good people the people of the countries and a war never is war by anyone everybody loses yes once you know, in a place where there's war. Yeah. And the only way also getting out of this is knowing. And one day, you know, the world will know that all these wars are always created and utilized in order to make more business yeah. and for selfish reasons. And one day, exactly. hopefully, we will be as some civilian movement to stop all this. I can't wait till that day. So, Carla, now with the pandemic, how has... <laughs> I, I love that word. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, my gosh. The children, that's all I care about right now, the children. And, you know, I, it's come to a point where I can't even watch the news, you know. So, I sometimes don't know a lot of things that are going on, but it's because of a situation like the one in Syria that I saw the news. And I was so traumatized and I was so affected. Uh, and then, you know, I just it just affects me too much. So I'm one of those people that if I see something on TV, it's like it's going on in my head and it's like I'm there. So yeah, I mean, sometimes to protect yourself, and it's bit. so sad that it's the reality. Uh, sometimes it's just too much for all of us. I mean, I remember that day in that terrorist attack that I was telling you, you know, and I tried to go really fast through that because I always end up crying. I mean, I had to make a decision, you know, it's something... I remember perfectly that moment when I was telling God, I just can't do this. I, I, I just kill me right here. I, I don't want to stand up and have to talk about this. How am I going to do this? And, and then, you know, like it, it's something that no human being should be able to, to leave or know, you know, why do we have to hear about these horrific acts of, it's not even human, you know, it's beyond yeah. all these things. So I get it. I get it. And I relate to most people. And this is the reason why we need to make films that yeah. can actually show this, 
show these realities, but not show it in a crude way, the way you know it is in times when you when you when you watch the news, you need to understand a little bit the yeah. purpose and get to know the people also. And you know, the yeah. film can, a film can do that, can take you in a journey yeah. to pretty much know the person that you are talking about. Right. That's so beautiful. I can't wait to watch it. And even though, you know, I you know, sometimes I've shielded myself from the news in the past. It's important to know, you know, you have to know what's going on. And if you can make a change, then you need to do it and be brave just like you did it. So I'm sure you're, I mean, you're an inspiration to me right now. I'm sure you're inspiring so many people to finally do something about things that should not be happening and a change is necessary. And I can't wait till I watch that. Now, in terms of the pandemic, um, you know, has it, has it affected you, your career? Has it changed things? I mean, obviously it's changed, but um, how have you been able to focus on your career in these times of uncertainty? You know, um, I came to Bolivia because I also have a business that I have a little, uh, a restaurant in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. It goes to the beach and it's about churros. I have um, a Spanish churros. churros. Churritos deliciosos, <laughs> churros calientes. It's called churros calientes. Churro. And um, we have gourmet sandwiches from uh, from Spain and Europe. So it's a very interesting bistro. And we decided to open one in Cochabamba. And we thought we were going to come for 15 days. And it's been six months. And I decided, you know, when this happened, I said, I can actually take uh, with my um, American citizenship, reclaim my citizenship, and I can go on one of those uh, special trips, uh, special uh, flights, and go back to the U.S. But then I realized that I could actually make something great in, in Bolivia. And we started helping the elders, taking uh, food or buying their stuff with some other volunteers, uh, because, you know, they were the ones that really could not leave their homes. And yeah. then I started working with the police, helping the hundreds of elders. And then we started giving um, different um, uh, food. Um, in, in Spanish, we actually call it baskets of uh, family baskets where they A have... Los canastones. Because they basically have all the basics, you know, yeah. for the survival of a family for three weeks. And we ended up, we started with 400, then became 1,000, then 2,000, then 5,000, then 10,000. Then we started going all over. And then my foundation, you know, the nonprofit got out of, run out of money. So I started working, you know, with the different entities. Uh, the Banco de Alimentos is this amazing idea that uh, a friend of I, that today is my friend that created, it's about all the people that uh, uses food that is about to expire. They put it and receive it in this bank and then they give it away to the people that need it. So then I started working with her and giving, you know, this, uh, this food. And then we started building the, the tunnels of disinfection to the police officers and then building um, the face masks for the, uh, for the military because they were getting super sick. Yeah. And then we started working with the doctors and it just, you know, became the huge disaster here in El Beni and people were dying back and forth. There was no oxygen. People 
were dying because they did that. not buy an aspirin. There were no aspirins in the city because there was no movement, because the trucks were not arriving. So they had nothing in their pharmacies. And people were dying because they were hungry. And uh, I decided to unite myself with uh, 41 other nonprofit organizations. Okay, I have 5,000 Bolivianos. I have 500 Bolivianos. I have 10,000. I have 4,000 others. I have clothes. I have these. And we really ended up creating a miracle. We are about um, a million dollars giving away, which is almost 7 million Bolivianos. And, um, you know, 100, I mean, thousands of families uh, and we cover the whole country and you realize that there are more good people than bad people and that the pandemic actually helped us realize that we are better we're better than a pandemic that no matter how bad things are we always have a little more or a little extra to give even if it's only love or even if it's only time or only your car to transport something to um, give more value to life and to understand that in moments of difficulty, you can actually bring out and, and uh, rescue the very best in, in every person. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing in Bolivia. It's so much, you know, there's just one thing after the other. I'm so, you know, happy to know that there's somebody over there, you know, making a difference and just keep doing what you're doing. And I am here to support you. If you ever need any more help, I will definitely. I am going to so call you. <laughs> yes, please. Gabriel, the, the Gabriel is the producer guy. So, you know, we're going to take him to Bolivia. We're going to kidnap them and we're going to yes. make sure that, uh, yeah, it's, I you know go. what, it's so beautiful. When you can, you do it. When you cannot, you don't have to do it. And it's about being this beautiful and blessed life. And I am really going to invite you. Uh, to come and visit a couple of things. There's so much to do, even with almost nothing. And believe me when I'm telling you that when you give, even only your time, you receive so much more than just giving. It's so rewarding. Math always works like that. Yeah, the universe will reward you back. Just like that. (laughs) (laughs) And what words of wisdom can you offer aspiring artists and influencers? So, for example... How can they find clarity on what their purpose is and how they can turn their goals and dreams into a reality? Well, I think the number one thing is that um, we don't have to be one thing. You know, you can be sexy, you can be beautiful, you can be provocative, you can be smart, um, you can uh, be an activist, you can be whatever you want, men or women. Um, you just have to trust that you can do it and then focus not on the likes or not on your reach but focus on the effect of what you want to influence and nothing is bad if you just want to be famous it's okay if you just want to show your body it's also okay but why are you doing it i think that's the most important question you know why are you doing that and for what 
then everything is going to get clarity. And even your sponsors and the people that are going to call you to make ads or send you clothing or jewelry, et cetera, or even, you know, um, the, the different um, uh, gyms or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, companies that are going to start approaching you to support them. It's going to give them also a lot of clarity. Really, um, I find successful media is their purpose of what you are trying to influence if you're going to be an influencer. And you can actually end up making more, much more money with the companies that understand what you want to convey rather than making a thousand things of, of uh, other, uh, of every type of product because right. you're only focused on getting likes, likes, likes and reach and reach and reach. Right. Your reach keeps on growing, but it's a quality sort of reach. Now, there are things like, for instance, you know, if you're a comedian, then your reach and your likes are more important than any other thing. But I think influencers nowadays um, are uh, really can change the world of a teenager and can affect in so many different ways. And that's why responsibility is super important and the clarity of what you want to to do, because they're going to be looking after you and looking up to you. So you better know what what is exactly that you are doing. Yeah. Know your why. <laughs> now, know if your you, why. Yeah, for sure. And if you could go back, Carla, and do anything differently that would have avoided any setbacks or that would have gotten you to where you are today a lot sooner, would you change anything? And if so, what? You know, I think I would do things a little bit slower. I'm a little bit obsessive. I sleep very little. I work extremely hard. And I think sometimes I do too many things. Not sometimes, but most of the time, I do too many things <laughs> at the same time. And I, I maybe that's the reason why I accomplished mm. so many things that I really wanted. But I think I couldn't enjoy a little bit more the process in the past. And I that's what I'm trying to change today. I'm trying to enjoy more my moments, my bliss, you know, right. those little amazing uh, times where you can actually take a you know, long um, breath and enjoy it. I think that's the only thing I would like to change. And maybe, you know, sometimes not be so... Um, um, like in a hurry? Fruit? Is that how you say? No, puritana, uh, fruit? Is that how you say? Fruit? Yes. I don't know. Fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the word, but I think, you know, my, my principles and my values and the way I grew up, it stopped me sometimes from taking decisions of, I'm not going to make this, uh, this uh, nude, or I'm not going to make these pictures or this product because it's too much. Maybe I would, you know, take it a little bit slower and think longer than that, not based on the ego yeah. of what people are going to say, but based on what I, what I really want to do. I think that we all have to look sometimes into all these things, our values yeah. and, and principles and our raising has to actually always empower us mm-hmm. and not make us feel, you know, retract from things, but, uh, yeah. you know, give us more confidence on what yeah. we want to do. I mean, maybe a couple of things that I can think about, but pretty much I'm very, 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 very happy with my madness of <laughs> of following my dreams and doing yeah. the crazy, the crazy no, you're, work. <laughs> you're definitely an inspiration. 
Did you have any mentors, by the way, um, you know, that you believe contributed to your career growth? Was there oh, anybody absolutely. guiding you? Well, what did well, you learn first, from them? <laughs> oh, well, the first person was uh, Juan Librantes was the person that discovered me, that got me into modeling. And I, I remember that um, he told me that uh, being a good person was always more important than being beautiful. And he said, I know you're a model right now and people love you and doing this because I was doing really important um, campaigns. And he said, if you are not a good person, then you are a horrible a model. And I think that was the wow. most important um, That's mentoring I got in my life. Yeah. And he said, because when you take a picture, the picture will always, you know, show your your light or your darkness. Right. And I didn't know if he was meaning what it, that he actually meant, but definitely it made that whole difference in my life. And um, I had another a mentor as well in acting where he taught me that when I am in there, I have to forget it's me. I need to know that I'm borrowing my whole body and my voice and everything that I am to that character. So nothing that that character does has anything to do with me. So I think that was the second most amazing um, mentoring I got. And I would say that within, I mean, there's so many, but I'm trying to think it's important. I think the third one of the greatest, uh, for me, the greatest of all um, uh, singers of opera, tenors, that to just have absolute um, pursuit of excellence on every performance. It's what made him the very best of all times. And he told me also that every time that I would go into stage, always think it's my first time, no matter how famous or good I would get, that that was the key of success. Love it. Those yeah. are such valuable <laughs> lessons. I'm trying to like remember all of them right now. <laughs> right? I can't believe I was able to put together the three. Those are amazing. For the first time in my life. That's why I'm smiling so happy. Those are I'm amazing. Remembering these. Amazing. I want to write them down. Like, yeah, I always study them. My, <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. I think that's what we should do. Even, you know, like the businessman has to go to their office. Like he's not a businessman and go with that same, you know, effort. Like, okay. Yeah. And it's the conquer the respect of his, of his uh, employees. And he has to, you know, like make it like the very first time. I think that's, it keeps yes. it very fresh and it yeah. keeps us humble. I love it. And if you were sitting across the table from your younger self, you know, the one that was just getting started, um, what words of advice would you have given yourself? Slow down. Just slow down. <laughs> slow down and enjoy the ride. <laughs> Stop running. I would always, it's, it's really the only thing. Just to slow. Sometimes we, I just can't stop. Mm -hmm. I just keep on going, keep on going. And is there anything that you do as part of your daily routine or at least when preparing for big moments to help you shift into that brave and empowered mindset? Oh my God. Actually, I do it every day. I, this is one of the things that I'm most proud of uh, in my life. I wake up 
and I just immediately drink two glasses of water and I immediately go into a deep meditation of uh, seven minutes where I empower myself, where I center myself, I center my energy, where I'm getting ready for the big, big, big day because, you know, you never know how big your day is going to be. And um, it's it's something, um, it's a technique that I was able to develop where I first center and I, I, I get consciousness of real consciousness of all my senses, mm-hmm. you know, and then it becomes the part of gratitude of being grateful of being awakened and, you know, and understanding that your whole purpose. And then after that, I do my, my time of exercising or yoga. And then I just start my day. I think that became the most important moment in my routine um, because I used to do so many things for a long time, but that starting my day uh, from ground zero in my energy has changed everything since I started uh, practicing these. And I repeat it before I go to bed, I get my me moment for 10 minutes. I put the music that I like. I light the incense. I put a little bit of uh, a candle and then, I mean, I light the candle and then I literally do the same. You know, I gather myself, I breathe in, I'm grateful for everything. I forgive for myself for everything I was not able to do for the day. And then, you know, I'm just, I, I'm grateful to go to bed. And it just really, really takes you 14 minutes. Yeah. It's seven minutes or 14 minutes in the morning and seven minutes or 14 minutes in the night. If you're in a hurry, it's nothing. And you just have to get the discipline to do it. And believe me, everything changes. Because if you have affirmations, yeah, or you have some things that you are writing your wish list. Yeah, once you are once you're gathered and you're centered, you read them and you have this special energy and power, and it yeah. just happens like that. That's so, true. So yeah, everything starts changing. Magic happens. Wow. Do you wake up at a certain time and go to bed at a certain time? Or, I mean, cause you have a lot going on or how do you do that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah I do wake up around uh, six o'clock and five 30 nowadays, six o'clock, but I've been trying to push it a little bit to 7am because I go to bed a little bit too late. Um, very, very hard for me to go to bed before 2am. Oh, so I've been wow. forcing myself to go, uh, by midnight now, I'm really trying to do that. But like you say, I have too many things going on. That's why I keep on giving me myself the same advice to slow down a little bit. But it helps, you know, this centering. And people should know that, you know, when you actually can reach a good five-minute meditation, it can actually equivalent, it's equivalent to three hours of sleep. So wow. it's like, yeah, it's like a power nap. It's more powerful powerful, sorry, than a power map. So yeah, I, I strongly, strongly recommend it for everybody. And you, you don't have to make a technique. You're just breathing in, yeah. centering and being with yourself. Wow. That's the first time I've ever heard, you know, someone say just a five minute or seven minute meditation, because if I tried to meditate it, I always thought that it had to be like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then you get anxious. <laughs> you don't know what else no, to do. And, 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 and sometimes uh, a good meditation for you is only going for a walk, but with yourself, you know, right. you put your music or your affirmations or 
a mantra and you just go those five minutes and you just blank everything and restart yourself, reshape yourself. Otherwise, that's why it becomes so boring and nobody wants to start doing it, you know? Right. And it's not just going, um, you know, it's not just that. It's so, you will find that it's your me moment. I call it like exactly. that. It's my me moment and do what makes you feel, you know, like empowered because it's right. about empowering yourself. Yeah. Now, Carla, where do you want to be a year from now? Is there anything you want to accomplish by then? Anything specific? Yes, I'm working on my movie uh, that is called Juana Surdui. For the people that don't know in, in the world, there were only two Juanas, Jean de Arc, Juana de Arco, uh -huh. and uh, Juana Surdui. These were like two warriors, women, and one was in Bolivia. And she was um, determined for the independence of Bolivia and Argentina. And Argentina is considered one of the greatest heroes. And there's this huge myth about her and what she was able to accomplish as a woman. She was actually the creator of the first um, Amazonian um, female army in the history yeah. uh, of, uh, of America. And that's the reason why women that actually ride a horse in the world, is called, it's called Amazon. She's an Amazona because... She knows how to ride. The, the, she's riding a horse. And it was Juana, the one that created the first army of uh, Amazonian women. Uh, well, the, the story of Wonder Woman is based on that. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. That's the film I'm preparing right now. And Wow. Yeah, she was from, uh, from Sucre, from Chukisaca. And I'm getting ready that, so I'm going for that film. So I'm going back to being in front of the screen, produce this, although... Uh, my directors and the team are from Argentina and also from uh, England. So wow, that's, that's so exciting! Be a very film for me. Wow, yeah. I'm excited for that one. Yes, yeah, so, you're still coming to the premiere. That's it. Wow, wow, I'm so pumped. <laughs> now, aside from that movie, any other projects or anything you want to tell us about? Well, um, I think that I want to be able to extend a little bit more into my voices. You know, Voice of Syria is the film uh, I'm making for, for Syria. I'm doing Yemen. I was in North Korea. I'm post-producing North Korean uh, documentary. Um, I was also one of the few Westerners that was a, ever being able to be in um, the countryside. And uh, I hope I can also next year present my this documentary. I also want to finish uh, to I did three trips to Yemen, but I was not wow. able to film and make the real interviews. So I want to do uh, Yemen, I want to do Palestine, and I want to uh, be able to create a little bit of a trademark of voices of places in conflict and give the yeah. voice to to the place a little bit and you know, build these bridges. I think that's what, what most probably is going to happen in the next three years. That's what I'm going to dedicate to. I love it. I love it so much. Good luck with everything. <laughs> and maybe finally become a mother too. <laughs> oh, wow. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, that's it. Next year, maybe next year is the year. <laughs> wow. That's beautiful. I love so many amazing and beautiful plans. And I know that you're going to make them all come true with your dedication and your hard work. And of course your beautiful heart, which is the most important thing. Carla, 
Where can people connect with you? Aside from social media, of course. <laughs> well, you know, I'm actually, um, I finally got back my power in social media. I'm not letting my PR, um, you know, uh, manage it anymore. Sometimes my assistant goes through it. As you see here, Veronica is her name. Sometimes she's the one that, um, you know, that can answer some, but I'm constantly trying to interact mm -hmm. with them. You know, my Instagram and my, and my Facebook, uh, I try to always be in direct contact. And um, that's, I think, always the, the very best yeah, uh, where people can reach me and always be willing to answer questions and whatever suggestions that they have as well. Incredible. So actually, there are Carla Ortiz O, mm -hmm. and Carla Ortiz O for uh, for Instagram and for Twitter, and uh, for my Facebook is Carla Ortiz Official. Excellent. Carla, thank you so much for being here with me. You are such a light and an inspiration. I have learned so much from you in this interview. I wish I would have had a notebook and, you know, taking notes. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, when I'm going to watch the film, I'm also going to take some notes. I'm very grateful to, to you, to your beautiful energy, um, to the thank time, you. to this space. And I wish you the very, very, very best. Thank and I'm you. not joking. When you come, uh, you know, I'm going to love to show you a little bit of what we are doing uh, with the nonprofit. If I am over I here, if that. not, you can visit me in Los Angeles. Yes. And for sure, I'm going to invite you for a couple of things that we have spoken Thank about. Thank you. When are you planning on coming back to the States? Do you have any estimated time or nothing yet? Yes. And yes, end of November, I'm coming because I have to prepare the sale of the, of the film Voice of Syria. So Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely be in touch, Carla. Thank you so much for being here with me, Carlita. Me encantó hablar contigo. I'm going to talk to you soon. You are an inspiration, a light. You already know it. You're so beautiful inside and out. And I can't wait to see everything that you're going to be doing in the future. Thank you. Thank you really with all my heart. And I'm going to see you soon. And hopefully, you know, we are going to do many more of these ones. Thank you for this space yes. and well, many blessings to all your followers and all blessings. the people that is listening to you. Thank you. Mwah. Besitos. Ciao. <laughs>